0: For Your information, is brought to you by IBC Television. You'll love it. And now, a special holiday presentation of For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. you shooting at me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi. Welcome to Four Your Filmation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. And this week, we're going to put a little love in our hearts with the cult classic Scrooge from the year of our Lord, 1988. I I see. Uh, 1988. So Did you know... We experienced the, the Y2K, you know, like we were alive for that. Uh, that's like a historic thing. Just like how we don't really think about people from the 20th century being born in the like 19th century. But we are going to be that for the next generations. Oh, absolutely. So like, you know, when 2050 rolls around, we'll be like, we were born in the 1990s. And they'll be like, ew, gross. Yep. Uh, It was, uh, it was a pre-911 world when we were born. Uh, Just like how it was a pre-Columbine world when they filmed this movie. (laughs) yeah you don't see too many like office buildings getting shot up for like comedic effect anymore no no that's not really a thing you do like the postal thing was like hard and then columbine kind of sealed the coffin on that type of thing you can't really do that anymore yep and marilyn manson sold at least 400 more albums because of that like you know what I, I, I don't blame Marilyn Manson for riding that train, but you know what? You can't buy publicity like that. I can't blame that man. I, I like your I like your placement there. I, I, I like what you've done with the place. Hey, man, look, you know what? There's no such thing as bad press. I disagree. <laughs> Frank Synopsis probably has a great many things that he would want to say about that. <laughs> well, we'll ask him here in a little bit. Anyway so if you haven't listened before what we do on this podcast here is john does not know anything about movies well he does now he knows a lot now yeah it's been a while we're coming up on season three we're coming up on season three baby anyway um john still has not seen a lot of movies that most people have seen so this one is no different so john what the fuck yeah, I didn't even know this movie existed. What, that I mean, you know, that's that's not crazy. Uh, this is typically called one of the most underrated Christmas films of all time, and I, I don't, I don't one hundred percent agree. But what do you think? I think that this movie is a rare specimen, in that it really checks all of the boxes. Like, it makes you laugh, it makes you cry, it makes you a little scared, it makes you uh, you think about life, and uh, it also shows some uh, pretty intense workplace violence uh, and a, a little bit of uh, verbal abuse. <laughs> a lot of verbal abuse you know he just would not shut up about those people hammering the fucking set even though that is their job and he's intruding on their job yeah and i thought iris toys had a pretty hostile work environment this is like uh this this is a little bit more than that i think hell yeah i mean oh. except for like we we won't get into it we'll get back into it we, we'll get back into it but anyway so you liked the movie then yeah i thought it was pretty good uh, again it checks all the boxes uh i'm not gonna call it like super family friendly but i would call it no. like a family friendly light yeah th- this is one of those movies where not to harp on ratings again but like it does kind of matter like this movie is pg-13 i feel like this movie would have it would have been served a lot better as a rated R comedy because th- they went so far that I just don't think that it would, like, I feel like it would not would have only taken a little more for them to get an R rating, and I feel like they could have done a lot more with an R rating, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, I think they maybe could have made a little bit more out of the nipple thing, you know, this is the second movie this Christmas that we've talked about, you know, the nipple thing. Yeah, well at least this one like it was playful and it was just like the top of like the areola uh-huh god forbid we see the top of an areola god forbid that slightly different shade of skin on some people identical on others <laughs> it is weird how that works isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not one of those people <laughs> oh do you do you have um do, do you have real dark nips i do have pretty dark nipples yes okay <laughs> Shocker. ladies ladies if you ever wanted to know what that sexy voices nipples look like now you know yes it is a different tone from the rest of my skin that is so weird do you have innies or outies N- nipples yeah <laughs> I, I, I wasn't aware that Indies and outies was a term You could apply to a nipple Yeah like some like okay so like You know like do like do, you, like do you Like do you always like have like a little hard ball On top of your nipple or does it like Only protrude when like you're Cold or something oh okay yeah 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 they're flexible yeah So sometimes they're one way sometimes they're Another way it just kind of depends on what's going on <laughs> What's going on anyway Yeah that's advantageous get... for me because I don't Get chapped nipples when I like go for oh. A run like last night it was yeah. like 40 degrees and i went for like a like a three mile run because i'm just like that and uh if if i was one of those guys i definitely would have had some uh some nipples rubbed raw by my shirt dude i'm so that's only happened to me once and it was like in the middle of like a like i was like at mile eight of a run and i was like hmm, my nipples hurt ah yes so th- at least there was that at least there was that i would i miss when i was in shape oh well life goes on so john did you have a favorite scene in this film that wasn't uh you know nipples no 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 no. that i i don't even think that's a that's a fair gag like i it wasn't <laughs> even really a nipple um and you, you make it out to be like there's some kind of like nipple thing going on anyway we, we cannot keep talking about nipples yes uh, i think the uh the end scene was very very good it really tied yes. the whole thing together because the whole movie is rather chaotic so to see it all kind of come together at the end like that was it, it, it was good you know i'm not gonna say that it redeemed all of the stuff that like uh bill murray's character does but i mean absolutely <laughs> Absolutely not it 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 definitely you know it gives the it makes it a proper christmas movie exactly it it has a happy ending which is what you want um i I like the ending scene i think it works we're gonna talk a little bit about it here later because it's kind of interesting how they did that or really how bill murray did it but i think my favorite scene is just the whole ghost of christmas future sequence because like dear god that fucking cremation scene is brutal yeah so what part is brutal to you all of it or like well just all of it like you know it's like i kind of liked the the twist where it's like tiny tim doesn't die necessarily he's just in a mental institution i don't know how you know frank cross you know not becoming a good person gets that kid in a mental asylum but you know i mean it is what it is and then where like you know you see him inside of the coffin and like he's burning uh-huh. I thought that was pretty fucking brutal. And honestly, like, that's the one thing I do give this movie a lot of credit for, is I think it is a successful update. Yes, I could agree with that. However... And this is what we'll get into when we uh, talk about the production. I think it is almost unintentionally meta. Okay, I'd be interested to know how. Well, I'll spoil. I'll give you a little taste. So the 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 director and Bill Murray did not get along very well. So it kind of created like a very uneven movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the the movie's kind of bashing like you know like those loud like fucking you know eighties action movies and you know just everything being loud and in your face in the 80s yeah and the movie kind of unintentionally becomes exactly that i see what you mean so that that's what i mean it's like i feel like it becomes unintentionally meta because it was definitely not intentional but anyway we will get into that soon so the other thing that we do on this podcast is john makes us a cocktail every week John is a cocktail connoisseur, and you should really listen to him. This man has made some of the best cocktails I've ever had in my life. He has no license. He's completely off the grid, but I would put him toe-to-toe with anybody in your average bar. So, John... Why don't you give me, why don't you give me something good? Why don't you give me something that tastes like it's vodka poisoned by Chernobyl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think the only person more off the grid than I am with my bar skills is Frank Synopsis. Oh, does Uh, he make cocktails too? No, he's just off the grid. Oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, so um, this film, a lot of times, what I'll do is I'll take like something that happens in the movie or something that uh, you know they're drinking in the movie and make it into a cocktail, or maybe just present to you what it was that they were drinking in the movie. They drink a lot of straight liquor in this film, uh, yes, like like a lot of it. So like people just popping bottles open in paper bags, and you know people just pulling a bottle of Stoli out of the closet and topping it with a little bit of Tab Cola. Don't do that. Or um, you know getting mad about possibly getting shot. Like some like, there's a bottle of fucking Bacardi getting shot. Yes, yeah, the biggest casualty of the whole movie, I think. Like Bacardi is such a like almost bottom shelf liquor. Like I don't know why he's so mad about it. Like was Bacardi like a like a bigger deal back then or something? Like I'm really confused. Maybe it was. I'm not totally sure. I'm pretty sure Bacardi is a Cuban product, and I don't know if it was different in the '80s. You know, with it being a Cuban ah. product or not. I, I I don't know that. I don't know any history on that. Uh, it, it, You know what? Fan base, let me know. Do some research I need to know uh, For my own information uh, But that's not a part of this cocktail This cocktail is going to be a little different So I did run with the vodka idea though Speaking of you know A glass full of Stoli um, So this cocktail is called the 9565 And the 9565 is the last four digits Of the phone number that goes to his office phone So if you want to be a little bit more like Frank Cross Or you want the experience Give him a ring Know what I'm saying? So here's how you would go about making it uh, You get your shaker with a little bit of ice And you're going to put in two ounces of vodka One and a half ounces of cranberry juice A half ounce of peach schnapps two dashes of Sambuca, and a little bit of lime juice. I'm going to say maybe about a half ounce, however much juice comes out of half of a lime. So we'll we'll call a half an ounce. And then you're going to shake those ingredients together and you're going to strain them out into an ice-filled rocks glass. So that's also a lowball glass or, you know, the same thing you would serve an old fashioned in. Now here's where things get a little bit more interesting. Then you're going to take some filtered sake. So the filtered sake settles out. You'll see it's going to be like clear on the top and white on the bottom. You don't want that. You want to mix it up. Give the bottle a couple turns over in your hands, make sure it gets nice and evenly mixed. And then you're going to add about an ounce and a half of that filtered sake into the top of the glass Ooh, oh yeah is so what you get fancy. is kind of a similar effect to what you get with like a uh like a dark and stormy where you have the color contrast except in this particular case it's kind of flipped upside down so you have it white on top and darker on bottom almost like a little bit of a snow shower isn't that nice Ooh, yeah, like yeah, a gotcha. little bit of like a little bit of cocaine on the top not what i was thinking but yes <laughs> yeah that could be a, a snow cap the worst movie theater candy of all time you know what like what what are snow caps are they is it literally just chocolate it with white chocolate on top of it like what is it it's literally a chocolate chip with sprinkles fuck that yeah that's not candy no that's literally ingredients yeah like you just smash two ingredients together that's like doing flour and salt together that's not a food exactly what what uh, since we're talking about movies, what's your favorite movie theater snack, John? Oh man, um, I'm partial to popcorn. I'll eat like a whole bucket of popcorn, like oh, easy. Fuck yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, as Extra far as butter. candy goes, I'm uh, I'm kind of a Twizzler guy. Twizzlers, uh, I can respect Twizzlers Yeah, I know they're like terrible Like I know they're basically plastic Like I know it's objectively not very good candy But as far as like the movie theaters go I think those are good Sour Patch Kids are also a good pick I like gummy candy with the movie I don't really like chocolate mm-hmm. I can see that, I can see that I'm I'm more of like a Raisinets Or like those little like cookie dough bite things Oh yeah, I never understood those Like I saw those all over the place I was like, oh, what, what a strange idea for a candy Yeah, no dude, it's fucking good I like it Um, I'm al- I'm also partial to like movie theater nachos even though they're like objectively horrible there's something about right. like how salty it is i don't yes. know uh have you ever been to a movie theater that does liquor yes i have i've been i went to a movie tavern one time Ah, uh, yeah so, oh, you know what i remember we had those in georgia growing up uh clearly mm-hmm. i wasn't really old enough to you know partake most of the time i was living there but uh since i've come to california i've found it to be way more common yeah it's actually kind of cool like uh, so we ordered food the food was eh, oh it was okay But the liquor was great. Uh Uh-huh. So that's why you go. (laughs) That's why you go. And, like, the movie tickets are a little more expensive. The food's expensive. The drinks are expensive. But, hey, you save on cab fare. (laughs) Yeah, there you (laughs) go. Because now you and your date only have to go to one place. Yes. You knock it all out there. Get schwacked in the movie theater. Have to get carried out on a stretcher. Don't do that. That's irresponsible. Please drink responsibly. You want to be drunk enough to enjoy the date and you know get to third base in the bathroom you don't want to get so drunk that you both have to go to the hospital but it will be a fun story to tell your grandkids don't forget your louisville slugger exactly so you know you could just casually shoot up your office like they do in this movie i don't know how that works but all right speaking of shooting up in our office let's welcome frank synopsis oh hello hey it's me again just fresh off the bus as always Frank, how are the buses doing with, uh, you know, coronavirus and it being winter and all? Well, you know, a lot of times they tape off to every other seat. Uh, I don't really know what that has to do with it. Coronavirus is not scared of tape. <laughs> so, Frank, um, forgive me for saying, but I feel like you might be the most interesting person on the bus most times. Has there been someone more interesting than you on the bus? Well, if you mean most interesting person on the bus as being the only man slugging down a Dos Equis on the bus, that is definitely the case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So is Doseki's your beer of choice? It does make me the most interesting man on the bus, so yes. (laughs) Okay. Oh, God, Frank. Well, I'm glad that you're here because I feel like this is a movie that's like right up your alley. Have you seen Scrooged? Oh, of course. Yes, it's right up my alley. In fact, it's so far up my alley, I had to realign my kundalini line. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Root chakra. Oh, God. Okay, so I I thought you were going to say you had to, like, realign your sphincter or something, but anyway. Much like that, yes. Much like that. Okay, just using some, you know, magic. Okay, so, um, Frank... Why don't you give me a synopsis of Scrooge, then? Of course. Frank Cross is the grouchy president of IBC Television. After a Christmas Eve filled with firing an employee who stood up to him, asking his secretary to stay late when she needs to take her son to a doctor, and desperately trying to get his live adaptation of Scrooge on the air, Frank is visited by the ghost of his former mentor. He tells him that he will be visited by three ghosts to put him on the right path, or he may be doomed to an afterlife of misery. Perfect. Thank you, Frank. Um, you can collect your little goodie bag on the way out. Um, we put a, uh... We put one of those fig newton bars in there like you know the king size fig newtons i hope you enjoy those i do love it again kundalini full of fruit i don't like any of that i don't because now all i can see is you putting fruit up your ass and that's not where it goes you can't butt chug fruit frank all right well i'm gonna catch the bus all right see you frank john are you back yeah, 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 um, you know what I just thought about? IBC television, do you think there's anything to do with the root beer? No, I don't think so, like, I-, I wanted to look it up, but I forgot to, I feel like it's probably, like, international broadcasting channel or some shit like that Uh, that's pretty generic, uh, yeah, the only reason I said it is because I'm pretty sure somebody spilled a bunch of root beer on your carpet outside Oh, um, I think that's kombucha, but we, we don't have time, to- we don't have time to get into Frank's antics, just listen to the episode it's, Oh, okay, It does, yeah. it does suck that you guys can't be in the same room at the same time Time. Yeah, you know, just the times don't line up, you know, he gets here and he does his thing and he leaves, and I I guess I always gotta like, I don't know, go pee. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty convenient for you. I got I kinda gotta hold it this whole time, but you know what? That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. So we're gonna start this conversation by talking about some of some of our players here. So this is like kinda like basically if you pull that little drop-down menu when you first get to Wikipedia if you look up Scrooge, 1988. Um, this is what you'll find so let's get right to it right just make sure you're using wikipedia not Pornhub, to look up scrooged yeah i mean honestly like i i've never ventured into this but i'm sure christmas themed porn is pretty good when you say good what exactly do you mean by good i mean like I, i mean i'm just imagining like a dude with like a like a candy cane dick and like you know the girl has like you know i don't know like like some sort of like peppermint striped bra I don't know, man. Like I mean, I'm like it's got to be fun in some way, right? I you're assuming that it's all like boy girl porn. I I don't know that that would be the case. I mean, I like there's so much porn out there, dude. I don't know. Yeah, like, you're right. I'm thinking like a Christmas elf situation. We cannot do that. We're, we're no. not going there. <laughs> um. that's not even close to the same thing although Uh, i will say this movie did not do much better on the uh, the little people front no it did not but that's okay well (laughs) it was 1988 everyone was on cocaine let's get into it okay so scrooge was directed by richard donner and produced by richard donner and art lineson the screenplay was by what eh, edit point the screenplay was by mitch glazer michael o'donohue and bill murray who was uncredited in the film but he very obviously wrote or at least improved most of his lines right 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 classic bill murray and this movie is based on if you couldn't have guessed like i don't know i don't know how they did this but it's based on a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. hmm classic. <laughs> classic. Classic. Classic every fucking tv show has done a goddamn christmas carol thing like i feel like people are probably christmas caroled out you know and we we, we don't see another one a christmas carol so many times it's kind of like how we just do the bible stories over and over and over again <laughs> it's almost like it's the same thing I, Any- <laughs> I i i don't think there were nearly as many chimney sweeps in the bible no chim Chimney chim Chimney chim chim cherry we are so lucky to be with Jesus. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Also, highly cancerous profession. Like, literally, get cancer. It's very sad. Hey, man. You know what? We're all gonna get cancer some way or another. It's in the chicken. It's in the steak. It's in the fucking. You know. It's like it's at the end of your toenails. Like, if you accidentally snort some of your toenails, you're gonna get cancer. That's probably not true, but I'm rolling with it. Also, a fun fact: the uh the the term "light of fire under their ass" is actually actually actually, from the chimney sweeping profession because they'd use little kids and send them up there. And if they weren't going fast enough, they'd light a fire in the fireplace so they'd go faster. I love it. I love love hearing about, like, pre-child labor laws. But, like, honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, can't kids work, like, a little bit? Not like that. No, I mean, obviously not like that. But, I mean, like... Little kids can, like, fucking bag groceries and shit. Like, I mean, like, come on, let them do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a job that mostly old people have, then little children can probably also do it. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, eight-year-olds and under, but, like, I mean, like, 12-year-olds? Like, I wouldn't be mad at a 12-year-old bagging my groceries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe also being a Walmart greeter, except they work 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and don't go to school. Hey, man, you know what? Some people don't need school. Yeah. We need We need to stop making everybody go to school, because it's obviously not working. No Child Left Behind has proven that not everyone needs an education. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, get on it. Jeff Bezos, get on oh, it. Oh, better yet, Nestle, get on it. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want that. We don't want that. Anyway... So this movie stars Bill Murray as Frank Cross, uh, Chris, Ka- eh, Karen Allen as Claire Phillips, who, friend of the show, Cl- Karen Allen, she was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, yeah, you guys did do Raiders of the Lost Ark, didn't you? Yes, we did. We did indeed. Also in uh, The Last Crusade. She is also in The Last Crusade. And, uh, wait, she's in The Last Crusade? I thought she, because she's also in, um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, whatever. You know Dan Aykroyd's vodka company was just ecstatic that they were going to get some royalty money <laughs> <release> from that. <laughs> I wonder, did what what came first, the movie or the vodka? Uh, definitely the movie. Definitely the movie? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But every time we say Crystal Skull Vodka, we have to give them 50 cents, so we should probably stop. Yes, we don't have that kind of money. Frank's synopsis will be the first one cut from the payroll, I think. Oh, no. And we can't. We just can't get rid of Frank. No. All right. This movie also starts Bobcat Goldthwait as Elliot Loudermilk. Bobcat Goldthwait um, also directed many movies like uh, World's Greatest Dad, God Bless Amen, America uh, shakes the clown you know so he went he's a comedian an actor and a director also if you recognize his voice he's the voice of pain in Hercules I see mm-hmm anyway I like Bobcat gold sorry I just wanted to make sure I got him in there all right and then Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present uh Carol Kane has a very recognizable voice um if you don't know who I'm talking about she's like uh she's in the princess bride uh she's in the the marriage scene she's like the the lady in that scene i can't remember exactly why the fuck she's there but she's also the um the super in um unbreakable kimmy schmidt i see uh would have been more fun for it to be carol baskin uh you could have had uh joe exotic as frank cross maybe i feel like it's way too late for us to make this rest to make this reference we're bringing it back we're re-gifting it this holiday season. <laughs> Can we can we get sponsored by the Tiger King Blu-ray release? No. I don't want to be <laughs> sponsored by that. Oh god. I do. I think I think it would be fitting. It's not the sponsor we want, it's the sponsor we deserve. Right. Not sponsored. Should be. Should be. Anyway, the, the music is by ya boy, Danny Elfman. Uh, yes. Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. Yeah, this is actually like... I think Oingo Boingo was probably still a band while he did this. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Uh, the cinematography was by Michael Chapman, edited by... The Brothers Frederick Steinkamp and William Steinkamp, a production company, Mirage Productions, distributed by Paramount Pictures, released on November 23rd, 1988, just in time for Thanksgiving – uh, it had a budget of $32 million, and the box office return was $100.3 million. Ah, so this is the golden goose. This is what you want to see in a major motion picture, right? Um, I think they thought it would make a little more than this, but it's it's a modest success. It's not bad. It's not good. I mean, technically, that's a 200% return. Oh, for sure, for sure. But it's in those days, if you put Bill Murray in a movie, you would kind of hope that you would make, you know, like $200 million. But I also didn't do what a hundred point three million would be in today dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I see what you mean. So, you know, I mean, you guys can do that math. I don't need to do it for you. I'm not going to spoon feed everything, to you? Yeah, 200 million post-Columbine dollars. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right, so let's get into this Murray Christmas. All right, so Bill Murray was tired and anxious after the success of Ghostbusters. He had a major flop in Razor's Edge and elected to take a long vacation from filmmaking. Um, Two years into that vacation, a script titled Scrooge plopped on his desk. He said he was interested but did not want to interrupt his break. But in 1988, Murray resurrected the script because every other script he received was, quote, just not that good. Oh, okay. I see that. When you're Bill Murray, I guess you get to make those types of calls, right? Oh, exactly. And, like, this is 1980s Bill Murray. Like like I just said, it's, like, post-Ghostbusters Bill Murray. So, like, he was already famous for stuff like Stripes and SNL. But, you know, Ghostbusters just put him into the stratosphere. And he was kind of worried that that was going to be his legacy. Like, he was never going to live up to Ghostbusters. Ah, like a Dan Aykroyd. Like a Dan Aykroyd. I, it's still the best movie Dan Aykroyd's ever been in. Right, please, Dan Aykroyd, don't cross us that way. We we actually do want to be sponsored by Crystal Skull vodka. We really, really do. And if we could just get an unlimited supply of it, so that we can hurl it at passersby, that would be great. Anyway, hurl it like throw the bottle at him, or hurl it as in I drank too much Crystal Skull vodka and I'm hurling at you. Well, just one sip of Crystal Skull vodka will do that to you. But I, I just want I just want to have enough of these fucking skull glasses to just throw at people. I think it'd be fun. That that is pretty intense. I, I like it. Very, that's that is actually the definition of intense. <laughs> empty crystal skull vodka bottles flying down the street. Oh, they don't even have to be empty. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so that way, maybe it won't even break. It will just fucking hurt. That, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh god, I'm getting on the naughty list again for sure. Cupid, naughty Santa. Anyway. <laughs> Literally the whole premise of Santa Baby. All right, let's go. So, um... Murray wanted to change several things about the script. So he wanted to boost the love story between Claire, um, the brothers, he wanted to boost the brothers family scenes and he wanted to boost the Grace and her family scenes because in the original script, it like, they were very, they were much less like there was way more Frank and like way less of like the B plots, even though technically there's not really any B plot here. Right. Because it's all from Frank's perspective, mostly. right? Okay. But, um, so Bill Murray enlisted uh, two writers to punch up the script. Michael O'Donohue, who was the first head writer for SNL, and Mitch Glazer, who was who also worked on the first couple seasons of SNL. Yeah, also the inventor of the glazed donut. Not true. Wish it was. Ah, uh, <laughs> Murray... disinformation. Disinformation Nation. All right, so Murray was paid six million dollars for his role in the film. Um, the producers in the film felt confident in the salary because they knew that Bill would bring at least ten million dollars in ticket sales in the opening weekend due to his name and his break from filmmaking. I see. So they're a bit of they're they're using this as a strategic advantage. They're using it as like kind of like a springboard, like ooh, so we can like use the Ghostbusters name because there's ghosts in the movie, and you know we've got Bill Murray who was in Ghostbusters and. And who people have sorely missed since he's been taking this little hiatus from film mm-hmm. like a john Mayer after his throat cyst he had a throat cyst i think he did and then he got it removed and he went and lived in a cabin for like a year and i think that's where he wrote paradise valley i don't know i'm not a music historian if you want to listen to a music podcast let me know though <laughs> we 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 can read wikipedia and give you music information it yes. would be nice we'll also <laughs> joke about it well uh, yeah we'll make some little we'll make some little ha-has we'll make some hee-hees Yeah, we'll do a whole Christmas episode just on the Santa baby phenomenon. Just, <laughs> it's a sexy Santa Christmas anyway. Don't like it <laughs> Oh god, Santa with titties That That's that's what I want That's what Cursed. everyone wants, right? Anyway, <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about the production a little bit So it's no industry secret that there was a shit ton of tension Between Bill Murray and director Richard Donner uh, Bill Murray had this to say about the film He said that it could have been a really, really great movie The script was so good Donner kept telling me to do things louder and louder and louder i think he was deaf Uh, Mm. bill kind of took this direction as an insult to his acting chops because he is kind of known for his stone cold performances and dry wit agreed however donner said that murray was difficult but brilliant and he also said that you can't direct bill murray you have to pull him back interesting so he's so and a lot of directors have backed this claim up that like Bill Murray, you kind of have to pull him back a little bit because sometimes he'll overdo it, but you know, it he it also sounds like he was trying to just cover what he was asking him to do because there are times in the film where it seems like Bill Murray is really struggling or is actually angry, but like not angry about what's going on in the scene, just angry that like this might be like the like you know, tenth, eleventh take they've done in a row. Well, see, that's how you get the genuine reactions. Yeah, but like I feel like that works in something like The Shining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it doesn't you can just stand work like Kubrick here. Kubrick and your Shelley Duvall just be afraid. Be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be afraid anymore. Anyway, oh poor Shelley Duvall. We keep yeah. dragging her through the fucking mud here. <laughs> Honestly, it's really only about the negative experience with The Shining. That's yeah. it. Everything else is fine. She was born to be olive oil in the Popeye movie with Robin Williams. She was Shelley. If you're out there, we want to help you. Anyway, yes. Mur- so um, Murray actually ended up coughing blood from all the fake snow used on set oh why because it was probably asbestos (laughs) probably he also said that he felt very alone on the set and he called it very dusty smelly and smoky ah i see did that have anything to do with all the gratuitous smoking going on in the movie yeah there's a lot of smoking going on in the movie um but i just (laughs) I feel like if I coughed up blood on set because of the fake snow they were using, I feel like I would want to leave immediately. Maybe he's just getting into the Christmas Carol, like, spirit, you know? Like, being like a, like a weird, like, consumption-stricken boy in, like, Victorian England. <laughs> I got the TV, father. All right, son, you know what that means. I'm going to have to take you outside with this axe. Oh, father. You're chopping wood. <laughs> uh, n- not where I was going with it. You made it wholesome i uh i was definitely saying that they killed that kid i'm saying that the child labor is in full swing tb or no (laughs) you that that is actually historically accurate that is um that is very sad anyway so a dancing double was brought in for carol Kane. uh she was the ghost of christmas you know fucking present and um But the producer saw her practicing anyway and convinced uh, the director to let her do the scene herself because her horrible dancing, quote-unquote, was way funnier. So they have a dancing double the same way they have, like, a booty double for, like, actors that don't want to actually show their ass on camera? Yes. So, I mean, like, any kind of stunt can have, you know... A stunt double like, And it, it could be like a very simple thing Like maybe the actor doesn't want to be too close To like something that's going to explode Or you know they they weren't at set On time or something Like there's a lot of things they use doubles for Ah yeah not to set on time Not like to it. set on time And uh, if you're not a big actor That can be a big fucking Yeah <laughs> or could... if you're just an assistant manager at a Staples <laughs> Yep <laughs> You went from being a minor character In the, ne- in the newest Michael Bay film to working at radio shack and then radio shack closes and then now you live on the streets christmas carol 2020 (laughs) let's just let's just do victorian era all over again fuck yeah let's start over let's let's just start where this like got horrible yeah everything after 1829 is we're taking it back because y'all can't behave because y'all because y'all can't act right All right, so Carol Kane actually cried a lot on the set because she had trouble with her violent scenes. Uh, She actually hit Bill Murray every single time, even with the toaster at the end. I gotta say, not that worried about it. i mean she kicked him in the balls pretty hard okay yeah, fair enough uh, it, they not, why don't they just give him an athletic cup and just like cope? i mean i'm sure they did but i mean at a certain point like you're still getting your balls jostled a little bit i, I understand that i feel like that's just being in character at that exactly. point exactly however something that did happen was like uh, you know where she grabs his lip ah uh, yeah she actually ripped his inner lip <laughs> I I get it, like I I move on, <laughs> move on, <laughs> move on. Like like you know, I get it. He's getting paid six million dollars, but it, at the end of the day, that's gotta fucking hurt. I anyway. guess, but like move on. <laughs> Speaking of accidents that hurt the actors in the restaurant scene, Bill Murray actually slipped and fell, but got up and finished the scene like a fucking champ ah yeah i thought that was cool like so that wasn't planned that just kind of happened nice right throws water on a guy p- thinks he was richard Pryor. is that what he said yeah oh i'm sorry i thought you were richard Pryor. <laughs> was that improv that had to be improv, uh, it had, right? had to be improvised because it's just too funny because it's like what the fuck man oh anyway <laughs> So, um, Bill Murray's real life brother, John, plays Frank's brother, Earl Cross, in the film. So that's the guy that he, uh, that he gives the, uh, you know, towel instead of the VHS player. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Bill Murray's other brothers are in the film as well. Uh, Brian Dole Murray played Frank's father, and Joel Murray was at Earl Cross's, uh, holiday party. Alright, so speaking of Frank's father in the film, and I don't know if there's a place to talk about this later or not, but I'm not gonna let it go right now. He gave him five pounds of veal as a Christmas present, and I feel like it's fucked up to give a child veal the same way that it's a little fucked up to put cheese on a hamburger. Like, or, you, or, you know, eggs on top of chicken. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, you fry chicken in batter that's made with eggs. Like, it, it's just a little messed up to give a child veal because that's, like, cow-child meat. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like he says in the movie. It's like that, that, that bag of veal would have costed 50, 60 dollars a pound in today's economy. That that's a classic me thing to say. <laughs> I mean, like, so it is shitty what he does there because he's basically saying like, I put food on the table every day. You, you want a fucking Christmas present on top of that. But I mean, at the same time, at least he was eating. <laughs> that That's true. You know what? And also smoking while pregnant. Smoking while pregnant is not cool, but I I I, I kind of hate how like they're kind of insinuating that's why earl is like a little like you know not as great as frank quote unquote right, not as successful <laughs> because his mom smoked with him and we're not in we're in like it's asking us to like assume that she wasn't smoking when frank was there i don't know maybe i'm reading into it too much but it definitely seems like that's like one of those little subtle things that they try and throw in there i see what you mean i see what you mean all right so um, th- this film was also the last performance of the Solid Gold dancers. Uh, Solid Gold was like a uh, top 40 thing on VH1 that would play in between other shows. So it would just be like they would just count down the top 10 songs or videos and there'd be like these dancers in the background. Huh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, 1980s. What are you going to do? Yeah. Nowadays we can animate that. We don't have to pay anybody else exactly we should just animate everything why why do we even hire actors again we could just do the same thing that we were talking about with vr cat girls and then there's no need for anything anymore exactly everyone will just be home jerking off to vr cat girls hentai think about it (laughs) we need to get with the um with the ceo of hentai maybe we can make something happen yeah jeff bezos get on it ezra (laughs) miller get on it (laughs) jesus All right, so Sam Kinison was considered for the Ghost of Christmas Past, uh, but the role ended up going to musician David Johansson of the New York Dolls, who was like a punk band in the New York City scene around that time. So they were like playing with like the Velvet Underground and the Ramones and shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, and Sam Kinison would have also been a good choice for this. Uh poor Sam Kinison. I feel like he always got like the shit end of everything. Yeah, uh, do you know do you know about Sam Kinnison? No, no, no. Okay, so Sam Kinnison was a former Catholic priest who became a foul mouthed comedian. Ah, uh, so he's doing a Rickety cricket thing from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Exactly. Oh man, I haven't thought about Rickety Cricket in so long. Poor guy. <laughs> Got fooled by D fucking, I think, like, what, three times throughout the series? Yeah, it's a recurring gag. It's a recurring gag. He just won't fucking learn. Yeah, anyway. why can't I quit you? Why can't I quit you? You made me leave the clergy, and then I became homeless, and then I joined the clergy again, and then you made me leave the clergy again. I, just go work for the subway or something. Yeah, gee, like the subway system, or like, the subway sandwich shop because i don't think that there is a subway system in philadelphia knowing how the pay scales go you'll probably need to work at both exactly anyway so um needless to say uh murray went off script for the final redemption scene uh he improv that whole thing wow he really did that yeah he act that that was all improv like they had like so the writers had a really hard time writing that scene because it's like how do you write something like that like you can't yeah it's supposed to be heartfelt it's supposed to be heartfelt it's supposed to be a little manic so like it like manic shit is kind of hard to write like it kind of has to come off the top of the head because otherwise it sounds fake as shit yeah, yeah just drink like four cups of coffee and then get to talking about like I don't know the Khmer Rouge or something <laughs> exactly and um they actually had like spots for murray to go to because they knew they were, he was gonna kind of go off script they didn't know that he was gonna go completely off script and like off the fucking rails like this movie is the most unhinged bill murray i've ever seen uh, yeah yeah i see that um but anyway so he, he was not even going to his proper marks so that's why it seems so like like off kilter i guess it's like the word i want to use yeah um so most of the crew and writers thought he'd suffered like an actual mental breakdown during the middle of this he's in character and it comes off it it really it it does sell it it does sell it a lot and you know like um (laughs) but at the at the end of the day they all applauded him and like they all thought it was great they did it all in one take but um our good old his good old writer friend uh donahue said what the hell was that the jim jones hour uh. to which director uh, the director punched him in the arm and donahue had a bruise on his arm for a week uh. kind of deserved it a little bit <laughs> like you don't you don't like it eh, at a point it's like you don't you don't mess with that kind of stuff like just let him have it it's good <laughs> it's bill murray like he could have said anything true if people would have fucking loved it anyway so let's talk about the release of the film so the film was a modest success bringing in about hundred million worldwide like we talked about before uh bill murray said that only one take in the film was his he's never disclosed which one that is mm. and that about 40 percent of what was shot was not used in the film and he, he said he still kind of has trouble talking about the film now. So it was just that upsetting for him. He just had that bad of a time. He it, Not only was it like really hard because he was fighting with the director all of the time... But it also just came out to like it was not up to his expectations. It was not up to snuff for him, especially it being his first film after a four-year hiatus. That's true. Yeah. So, and I, I agree with him. I mean, the movie is wholly uneven, and we will talk about that in just a moment. Um. But so this film actually bumped *The Land Before Time* and *Oliver and Company* out of the number one and number two spot, respectively. Ah, I see. Okay. So *Oliver and Company*, uh did you like that movie growing up? I fucking loved that movie growing up, and I still think it's highly underrated of course you do Wait, you don't like it it's like <sighs> I have trouble distinguishing between Oliver and Company and an American tale. I mean, I guess like, because Oliver and Company is based on Oliver Twist and an American tale is kind of like a turn of the century thing, just like Oliver Twist was a turn of the last century. So I get it. Like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a whole new world. I I get how, I get how you, you know, would equate the two, but I feel like they couldn't be more different. Aladdin, big pants, tiny vest. (laughs) Sexy man. Don't like it like i feel like that like shit like that is like the reason that people want to fuck cartoon characters like they did not have to make aladdin so goddamn sexy they yeah did what not about jafar though that's a man's man jafar is like like that's like a sugar daddy type thing like if you're into sugar daddy it's like jafar might be your thing jafar is the sexiest rendition of the job of the hut character that has ever existed <laughs> we have to fight <laughs> I, i'm not gonna fight you on it i'm gonna let you have that one mainly because i have nothing to contribute <laughs> (laughs) All right, so the movie, so the movie's kind of gone on to be like a cult classic, playing on television stations across the world every year. Mm. But like only once, it's not a Christmas story. They don't play it for twenty four hours. Love that. Love that. Love seeing what Ralphie, what's his name, Ralphie, in the bunny suit with the BB gun. Have you seen a shirt with the with a Christmas story on it? You've seen the movie. Wait, have you half the pop punk merchandise that came out between like twenty eleven and twenty sixteen had that on it? Like. Oh, yeah. So, wait, have you not seen a Christmas story? I've seen it, like, yeah, like I've seen it. I wasn't paying attention, though, because it's, like, dumb. It, it is, it is pretty dull. It's very dull. Um,. <laughs> anyway maybe a future edition but we don't have it planned so we're not gonna do it now yeah, anyway a 2020 version of a christmas story where everyone I, i'm not gonna too too soon we're not even done with 2020 yet yeah let's let's not anger 2020 just yet right. all right so it wouldn't be an episode of four year inflammation if i didn't talk about the home video releases but i'll keep it short this time uh this actually ha- this actually had like a very like strange like relationship with home media so in 2006 especially special edition dvd was proposed called the you'll love it edition yeah you will love it yeah exactly like y-u-l-e love it It, it's dumb anyway so it was to have a lot of special features and a custom dvd case however it missed the deadline to be released and was just never released that's that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) just leave it dead in the water don't release it (laughs) just don't release it just don't even make it But, you know, that would have been the only release that would ever have, like, any kind of special features on it. Because in 2011, a Blu-ray was released with absolutely no special features. I bet the guy that caused the 2006 release to, like, not meet the deadline was fired the same way that that one guy with the shotgun was fired. Maybe that's why. Maybe they were like, okay, let's not even, like, come out with it because we are afraid of, you know, the movie becoming real. Yeah, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Workplace violence is a no-no. No. No. Hostile work environment. Hostile work environment. Just leave. Just leave. (laughs) Get another job. Anyway, so I wanted to kind of round this discussion out by, like, there's a lot of problems with this movie. It's overall good. It's enjoyable. But, like, I feel like there's just, like, some tweaks that would have made it a lot better. So I want to play, you know, movie maker here for a minute. All right. All right. So let's fix this thing like let me start off with i have no doubt that you could re-edit this thing into something better like i'm sure if you take like some of the unused shots and maybe if you just you know do a little bit of editing it would make it better because and this is my first point the pacing in this film is almost atrocious like it is very slow moving and like normally you want that in a bill murray movie but it's in a bad way I see like I don't understand why there's so much time in between the ghosts coming and going like because like in a Christmas Carol you're so used to them coming one after the other Mm -hmm. in this one like there's just so much time in between the two and then they try and kind of like blur the lines between what's really happening and like what's with the ghosts Mm -hmm. and I feel like that could have been done a lot better. And if ever, I think that everything from the first ghost appearing to the end of the film should feel kind of like a fever dream. And like, you don't really know what's going on because I feel like that's what they tried to do. And it just didn't work because they fought way too hard to let you know that like, no, this is real. No, this is fake. I see. Um, it almost gives it like a live theater type feel. Like it, it, Mm -hmm. it's sluggish compared to a movie because it's just not as snappy because you can't edit a live performance. Exactly, but they absolutely could have edited this. Like, this movie is an hour and 40 minutes, and it feels like it's about two and a half hours long. Hmm. Like, it feels really long, and that's because of the pacing. Anyway, I feel like some re edits and maybe, you know, trying to make it feel a little more fever dreamish could potentially fix those pacing problems. So, um, bring Bill and also another thing in this film that I think would help it is if they brought Bill Murray back a little more, Hmm. like, I feel like he's a little too unhinged at times. But, like, he's unhinged, but he's on book. Which I think is, like, probably the worst part of it. Like, they should have let him improvise the whole thing. Right. So either do it all one way or all the other way, but in between it doesn't really let either shine. Exactly. So, like, he's, like, he's, you know, over the top. But he's over the top saying something that someone in a writer's room thought would be funny. And, like, he's kind of saying it verbatim. Which is, like, eh. Like, every- like, that's the thing that's kind of sucked about being a film writer is that you know that they're probably not going to say everything exactly the way you said it, but there are certain directors who are very, like... And it's usually writer-directors, like Quentin Tarantino is like, no, you have to say this exactly how I wrote it. Yeah, all tours like uh, Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> when is he going to come on our show? When is he going to come? Question. Like We're going to have to praises. reach out to Troma. We're going to have to reach out. I'm sure he'd do it. Fuck it. Let, yeah, <laughs> somebody get, on, get on, it. on it. Somebody, like where what the fuck do our producers do anyway get lloyd kaufman in the studio yeah ezra miller get on it (laughs) all right so another thing that i think would be fun is if you redid the ghost of christmas present because i don't really think the whole like her being physically violent gag like worked every time like it got really boring after a minute Mm -hmm. so i it sucks because bill murray got actually legit hurt Really think they could have got like a Gary Busey to be the ghost of Christmas present. No, I think that, um, Carol Kane was a good choice, but I think that, um, you know, cause like, I really like how the ghost of Christmas past is uh, like, he runs out of a taxi cab and that's how they get to where they're going. And, uh, the ghost of Christmas future, like it's the elevator, But, like, with the Ghost of Christmas present, it's, like, she just hits him and they go somewhere else. Uh They could have done something a little cooler. And I think this would be my shining, like, change to the film. So, like, I think the Ghost of Christmas present and Frank should travel through ordinary objects. So, like, i.e. they could go through the fridge to get into Grace's house and they could make some sort of comment about how there's not a lot in there. And that they Mm. squeeze through there pretty easily. And then also... I think when they go to frank's uh brother earl's house uh-huh. they should have to watch what's going on in there through the tv like they're in the tv watching them i like it that's kind of a call out to the uh, ghost of christmas future who has the television face that shows you what the ghost is seeing on the tv exactly but it's also kind of a call out that frank like views his entire life through tv right so like why would this be any different i see what you mean that's actually pretty uh that's pretty clever yeah and like see it's subtle things like that like the movie is missing subtlety and like you know like the subtlety that would allow it to be more grounded because Mm -hmm. it's a little it's little up in space as is but anyway um the ghost of Christ- but like everything else in the film is pretty good like especially the ghost of christmas past and future like that can all stay the same like that's all brilliant i love all of it i, I also love kind of like the like some of the gorier aspects of the film gory you say well like it's light gore but like you know um in the beginning where like the uh his former mentors ghost, like the like his arm falls off and shit oh yeah yeah okay yeah that's pretty cool and then like like uh when they look under the ghost of christmas uh futures like robe or whatever yeah and it's like that disgu- those like disgusting lost souls in there that yeah. shit was fucking dope that that was good it, again it hits all the wickets it, it's really good it just does it all and this is another one of those things that it does exactly like it does what it does well it does excellent but what it lacks in it lacks pretty hard yes that that would be my thing for this movie and uh but anyway, I enjoyed it. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, John, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Scrooge? Nope. Hail Santa. Hail Santa all right guys so make sure you go and give us a like on facebook so you can get some memes some cocktail recipes and occasionally we'll throw some weird shit for you to look at on youtube um also if you could it'd be great it would be the best christmas present ever if all of you guys went and gave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. um we need that so that we could be more visible to other people and uh we do it for you so you do it for us yeah you bet your ass we'd do it for you you bet your ass let let's start our own podcast network and we'll have a collective like you know 120 listeners across like 30 podcasts that would be awesome yeah you know what just tell us what we can do to promote your content and we will simp for you we will simp the hell out of you we will show up to your door john will be pulling me by a dog collar is this good is this is this kinky enough for you guys i know that the kinky thing is like really big right now yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely absolutely all right guys so for four year inflammation i'm zach and i'm john watch a new movie this week and happy holidays see you later i have seen scrooge and you're right it is right up alley oh jesus i can't believe i said that right up alley who the fuck is alley (laughs) i'm tempted to leave that in but i won't (laughs) outtakes